Good morning. Welcome to Faith in the Morning. Something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. Thank you for joining me today. Faith in the Morning exists to help you start your day with faith and encouragement, and that's what's going to happen today. It is Friday, and I have a special guest, Dr. Phil Goudeau. So however you're watching, however you're listening, open your hearts. God has something special for you today. If you're watching in the chat, go ahead and welcome Dr. Phil Goudeau. Sir, thank you so much for being a part of Faith in the Morning. Thank you for being our special guest today. Well, I'm very excited about it, and uh, I believe that this is going to be like a defining moment for a lot of people that are listening to this uh, podcast. Amen. And for the Faith family, for those of you who were at the Minister Conference early this year, you were able to hear from this man of God. I remember, sir, that afterwards, a couple came to me. They said, who is this man of God? He's from California. We need to hear more from him. And so they enjoyed <laughs> your message and your books. They were blown away. And so wow. uh, we were thankful for what you share with us during that time. And I know there's so many listeners and people watching right now who will be encouraged from mm -hmm. the lifestyle of faith that you live, that you preach, that you walk, that you encourage, your testimony, your story. Mm -hmm. from... Are you trying to make me shout right now? Go ahead and shout. It is okay. We believe in shouting <laughs> up in here. We believe in shouting on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, so... I am so thankful. I'm so thankful. You know, when people see uh, me or any, if I can say it this way, any other body that got a name recognition or have achieved some major things, uh, they don't recognize uh, sometimes what they've been through to get there. And they sometimes people want what you have, but they're not willing to pay the price to have to deal with all the stuff that we have to deal with. You know, Paul says, I fought the good fight of faith. You know, I kept the faith. You know, we, it's it's a faith fight, uh, but it's a good fight. And I uh, I'm just so thankful for where God has brought me from, and for what He is doing in my life. Amen. And I know a little bit about your testimony because I grew up in Word of Faith, and I remember you preaching over years and hearing your testimony. But there's mm -hmm. so many who have, don't know your story. So can you uh, share with our audience your salvation experience? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can share my salvation experience. Um, I was in the Black Panther Party uh, in 68, 69, 70, 71, 72. I was in the Black Panther Party. I was uh, a militant. Um, <clears throat> I was anti-government, uh, anti-Christianity. Uh, it was a white man's religion. Uh, it was forced upon us in slavery. Um, so I had, uh, I've been in a lot, I've been in two major riots, uh, had people get shot uh, by me in the riots. I, um, was in the, we were in the Black Panther Party's office and, uh, the police raided it, uh, maybe about 20 something police and they shot the whole office up. I don't even know how I got out of the office without being shot when they raided it, because you could, we went back and looked at the office, it, through this big old office, you couldn't hardly find uh, two inches that there wasn't a bullet within two inches. So to get out of that office was miraculous uh, when they were definitely trying to kill us. And so God spared my life in the Black Panther Party. Uh, I'm in uh, Sac State, I'm going to Sacramento State College and I was um, um, pushing, what I call the uh, blackness, because uh, you know we used to be uh, uh, 
colored people, then we went from colored to Negro and then to, to black. And now we're African-American, but uh, whatever. So I just, I was, I was pushing blackness and, uh, and at Sacramento State College in the uh, cafeteria uh, during that time, uh, the Hispanics sat together, the whites sat together, uh, the um, Asians sat together. It was a very um, segregated, very, um, everybody, nobody mixed in. And so uh, we had our Black Panther table. We wouldn't, we wouldn't even let uh, what we call Negroes or colored people sit at our table because they didn't believe uh, in the Blackness the way we did and revolution uh, and all that kind of stuff. So when uh, I was sitting at, at the table and this one, this white kid came and just sat down at our table. And it's like a holy hush went throughout the whole cafeteria when they saw him sit down at the table because it was like him wanting to commit suicide. And he sat at the table and everybody got quiet. And then one of the guys and the party said to me, Phil, what you gonna do about it? Well, I didn't want to do anything about it because I'd already been kicked out of college for fighting already. So I didn't want to do nothing about it, but now they didn't put the pressure on me. So I got up and I looked at this white kid and I said, are you crazy? What's the matter with you? And he just kept staring at me, wouldn't say nothing. And then I said, then I started talking about his mama. I talked about his mama, grandmama, I talked about everything I could to provoke him to fight me, but he wouldn't do it. He never responded to me. And then I noticed he had a briefcase that had on the briefcase, rejoice in Jesus. And so I said, oh, oh, you're some kind of Jesus freak, some kind of religious fanatic. Are you, huh? And I just started going off like that. And that white boy jumped. And I, I'm sorry if I'm saying that I'm, and I use white boy, you know, but I'm just trying to express the way it was then. He jumped up uh, and he said, if you mean that if I love the Lord, you shouting it, screaming it in this cafeteria, he's screaming, if you mean if I love the Lord, I sure do. Hollering. And I said, what? I was shocked. And he hollered it again. I drew back to hit him in front of everybody in there. They hit him and I got frozen. I call it a Damascus a road experience. I got frozen in front of everybody. I couldn't move my arms. I was standing there. I didn't know if I was having a heart attack or a stroke. I didn't know what was going on. And I stood there and I couldn't do nothing. And he's just staring at me. And all of a sudden the whole cafeteria just started laughing. And they would have never did that before. But I, I, I stand there and I couldn't do anything. And I don't know, I just, I don't even know how long I was in that position. But when I got released from it, I did something that no Black Panther would ever do. And that it was run. I didn't know what else to do. Because I was a Black Panther when that happened to me. But after that happened to me, I became a Pink Panther. And I took off running. <laughs> <laughs> and I took off running. And you know what that white guy did? He took off running after me. And you know, he you know they can't catch you. You know, we run faster than them. 
<laughs> and, he, and that boy caught me and he started asking me questions and trying to talk to him and I said I didn't want him to let him know I was scared of him because I had never had an experience like that I didn't know how to explain it I didn't know it was God that was using him as a Christian man to minister to me and I was just overwhelmed and he's trying to talk to me and I told him please leave me alone you know and he just kept pastoring me and I just finally gave him my phone number and um and from then on it was about three months it was 18,000 students at Sacramento State University then so he was number 18,000 and I was number one the odds of us running into each other every day was was exceptional but it looked like every day almost for three months I would run into this kid and he would always say praise the Lord Philip and he'd say something like that. And, and I would turn around and go someplace else. I didn't want to be engaging with him at all. Then, I, But then one day I was coming through, coming from anthropology, and he was coming through the hallway. And when he saw me, through his hands up and said, praise the Lord, Philip. And that, I, I just then tried to hide from him. And I went to the library the next couple of days, and then he found me in the library. Then we got kicked out. The, li the librarian came because he wouldn't stop talking, and she said, y'all got to leave if you're going to keep talking. I said, ma'am, I ain't even talking. He's doing all the talking. And so she said, well, y'all got to gotta stop. He didn't stop. We got kicked out the library. We're standing out front of the library at Sac State, and he, uh, he pulled out a little trap put out a little track called the four spiritual law track i got one right here this little track he pulled it pulled this little track out right here and it changed my life see i was in the black panther party even my wife's uh church that she went to and i went to some churches before i got saved and broke up church services saying that they were they were being deceived they were being accepting a white man's religion anti this and that but you know, and I thank God when I when we sing Amazing Grace, I thank God for Amazing Grace that He saved me, you know, and what and all my stupidity and all the thing. That kid shared this little he, I didn't I, it wasn't the Bible, so I wasn't going I couldn't attack it because I it wasn't a Bible. I wouldn't have never let him share a Bible with me. But he used it. Have you ever heard of a four spiritual law? He said, If you let me share this little track with you, I'll leave you alone. I said, You got a deal. And after uh, going through this little four spiritual laws, the first law was God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You know what? I never knew and never heard nobody ever say that God loved me, had a wonderful plan for my life. And it goes through these four spiritual laws. And as he was going through them, uh, God was dealing with me. And on this back part of this here, he, uh, it has a couple of little circles here uh, showing that you, which one represents your life. One is with Christ in your life and one with Christ without out of your life. And so I'm just showing you, I know they can't see it, but it's just a little two little circles. But that was what I call a defining moment in my life. Because when he showed the one with Christ in your life and the one without Christ in your life, he said, which one of these represents your life? And I said, the one without Christ, of course, that's not the one. 
He said, well, which one do you want to represent my life? I said, which one do you want to represent my life? Because if I can get rid of you, I'll be happy. He said, well, I want you to accept the one with Christ in your life. Well, I didn't. Uh, uh, he started trying to lead me in a confession to accept Christ in my life. And I said, and I stopped him. And I said, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in God. I don't do that stuff. I don't believe in that. And then he said, well, can you say it this way? Say, say this with me. He said, uh, say, Lord Jesus, I, I don't believe in you. But if you're really real, come into my life and save me and forgive me for my sins. Take the throne of my life and use me as your instrument. He tricked me. He knew he was real. And he tricked me. And I accepted Jesus because he knew he was real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and you know what I, I went home that day and i was in the bathroom and i was just crying i couldn't stop crying i couldn't stop crying and i was in the bathroom and um i had an experience in the bathroom i said god i What's going on? I don't know what. I'm just, and I felt like, uh, I, I, the best way I can say it is like God reached down inside of me and like pulled out of like a black octopus out of me with all these tentacles. And I, I, I say it as, well, God pulling out the hate, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment, the deception out of my life. And that was a transforming where I got this, what I call a deliverance, I guess, in the bathroom. <laughs> and uh, I went back to the college a day after that or two days after that. And I went back around the college instead of Thomas, his name was Thomas Eustick. Instead of him looking for me, I was looking for him. And I went back to him in front of a lot of people. I got on my knees and I said, Thomas, I don't know if I was totally real, but I want what you got. So could you pray for me and I and lead me one more time to make sure I'm right? And he was overwhelmed, but I, he did. And um, a week after that, a week after that, you know, this he was a bold guy. He's in heaven now, Thomas. They brought me to Christ. He's in heaven now. And uh, he used to be the postmaster general for Sacramento. And every time somebody would come in the post office, he would tell them, you know, uh, y'all know Pastor Godot? And they said, yeah. He said, you know, I brought him to the Lord. <laughs> he was telling everybody he brought me to the Lord. And he was just a bold. And I appreciate his boldness and compassion and love for God to witness to me and to tell me uh, because I was definitely being threatened. And a lot, most people would not have followed through on somebody, you know, that you felt threatened or could maybe be violent, but he didn't. He never bagged down. And then he started coming to my house. He started, um, you know, making me accountable and uh, discipling me and giving me a Bible and teaching me stuff. And then he paid, went to my mother's church uh, and said, I got uh, Philip Godot uh, became a Christian 
and he's going to start coming here. But before he comes here, I wanted to pay, I want y'all to help pay for his way to go to Expo 72. I don't know if you know about Expo 72. Billy Graham, um, Bill Bright, uh, Tom Skinner was a host of them. It was held in the uh, Cotton Bowl uh, down in Dallas, Texas, about 100,000 uh, college and high school students. I never seen nothing like that. It was enormous. I got pictures. It was on the front page of Life magazine. I got the magazine. But uh, he paid for my way here in the, in the church that I wasn't even going to pay for my way to go to Expo 72. And I'm just about a week old. That's all in the Lord. I don't know what I'm going through. And they put me on a bus from Sacramento to go to Dallas, Texas. And it was all white people on the bus. I was the only black person on the bus. So I sat in the front seat of the bus because I wasn't going to get in the back seat because, you know, we've been delivered from the back seat, you know. So I was in the front seat. But you know what? They just loved on me and ministered to me. And God was still delivering me. I was saved. I loved God. I had an experience in the bathroom. But God was still delivering me. I don't know if you understand, but I was... And and trying to show me this, this anger and I had hate in me towards whites. God was using it to show me that how wrong the hatred is and and how devastating it could be. And when we got there to Expo 72, I never seen anything like that. And I could never even imagine I was totally exposed. It was my first time ever going out of state. And then when we got there, like I said, 100,000 high school and college students. And all they did every day for one week is teach us on the four spiritual law booklet. Every day after we went through these classes and how to do it, they then sent us out to minister every day. And, uh, and we did. And uh, brought, uh, I brought uh, several people to the Lord during that time. And it was life-changing for me. It was very much life-changing. And uh, so I, uh, we're in the arena, I mean, in the uh, Cotton Bowl on Friday night, the last night of the uh, conference, and Billy Graham is ministering. And uh, Billy Graham uh, is ministering on strong commitment. It, it was packed out. And he says, and the conclusion of his message said, now I want all of you that are ready to make a strong commitment to serve Christ and to live for God for the rest of your life, stand to your feet. And um, people were standing up all around me, but I, I'm just a week old. I don't even know that Jesus that good, you know? I, I, don't, I don't know nothing. I don't know no scripture. I'm just... I'm, so I'm not ready to make a strong commitment right now. Just, ain't you happy I just made a commitment? But Billy Graham, I, I didn't know nothing about gifts of the spirit. You know, he was Baptist, and but he operated prophetically in that big arena. And I was sitting there, and it was evening, so it was a little dark. He couldn't see me. And Billy Graham kept saying, I can't move on. It looked like everybody was standing. But he said, there's a young man in here that is not standing up. And son, I want you to know I'm waiting on you. 
I'm waiting on you, son. Stand up. I wouldn't stand up. I wouldn't stand up. And I knew he wasn't talking to me. It got to be somebody else. And everybody, the people just started wailing and crying. That was all new experience. I mean, I never seen nothing like it. And and they, I, I, like they're crying and wailing for me that I would stand up. I don't know how long it was. It seemed like eternity, but I guess you know the story. I, I stood up. <laughs> and when I stood up, I had another experience. I can't begin to explain it, but I had an experience, an encounter with the Lord. And Billy Graham started crying. And Billy Graham started shouting right there in front of everybody and said, that's the one that I was talking about. Him, that, that young man. And you know what? Uh, after that, Billy Graham and I became friends. He did a big article on me in uh, his uh, Evangelism Today magazine. Uh, when he turned 80, he sent uh, his crew down here to California to do an interview with me for his 80th birthday. God did something beyond I can even think or imagine. So now my life is all about winning souls, changing lives, and helping people. And that's what I live for. And through that whole area, that what God did in that small part of my testimony, I got my autobiography, but this is just a small part of it. But I, I don't know if I shared enough with you or do you want me? No, that was amazing. Like, because uh, I remember one thing that one of the things that really stood out to me while you were ministering to the ministers conference is your heart for winning souls and mm -hmm. your creativity, how you did it. And mm -hmm. so it goes back to, you know, the salvation story and how you came to know Jesus and anything else you would like to share about that we would love to hear. And then also, because we're going to the holidays, do you have any tips for people who are going home or traveling on planes or traveling different places and how they can win people they may encounter while they travel or win family members back home? Well, you know, um, <laughs> uh, that, that is a really good question. Um, because right now, more people are more receptive to Christ. And I call this November and December harvesting months because people are more receptive, you know. Um, and I would just say the first thing is that, you know, when I'm going to witness to somebody that I don't even know, I... I look for something I can start a conversation and build a friendship a little bit in a short time to present Christ to them. If they're family members, most of the family members have been watching you. And my biggest thing is, is that if they've been watching you, they should see some fruit in your life or change in your life. Or it's just an opportune. Sometimes people will say something to you out of some kind of distress situation some kind of challenge that they're dealing with that opens the door for you to minister. So I was in uh, uh, there with you guys. I don't know if I shared this testimony there, but I was there. And so we left uh, after the service. I went to the, got in the elevator and it was a guy, uh, the elevator about to close and he stuck his hand in the door and stopped it. He had a, a, a drink in one hand. And um, when we started, talking and I, I said to him um um how are you doing and he said oh, i'm going good he said, uh, and so they started off with a little small talk and then he said to me uh 
uh, what do you do? I said, well, uh, I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm here doing a, a, a meeting along that line. So that's good. And then we just went from there to uh, then talking about his business. And he's a big lawyer in New York. He was here at a big firm and he was talking about his business and stuff. And he started walking. We started walking. We got off on the same floor. His room was just a couple of rooms down from mine. And all of a sudden, I, I, I said to him, I said, I don't believe in no accidents. I said, I believe God's got you here for me to talk to you, to pray with you. What can I pray for you about? And he just broke down. Sometimes it's just a simple prayer for somebody that opens the door for them to accept Christ by praying for a need in a person's life. And when I started praying for his need, he just broke down and cried. He wants his daughter. He wants his daughter to make it. And there's so much things going against his daughter. He wants her to follow him and be an attorney and all this kind of and as I was praying for him, then watch this here. Once I started praying with him, then I said to him, I just moved right into the point. I said, now say this with me out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I open the door to my heart. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins. Thank you for taking the throne of my life. And he said that and he just cried. He cried. And then all of a sudden, he started screaming in the hallway. This is the big, big attorney. He started screaming in the hallway. He said, does that mean I ain't a Jew no more? That I accepted Jesus in my life? I ain't a Jew no more? <laughs> he was more concerned right, right time than if he was still a Jew because <laughs> he accepted Christ in his life. I said, no, I want to tell you something. Jesus was a Jew too. <laughs> it just did something for the guy. So this opportunities. I, I believe that everybody comes in my life, comes in my life by divine assignment. So no matter where I am, with him sticking his hand in and jumping on that elevator, I knew I was supposed to minister to him. That's amazing. That's amazing. And there's so, like we are, we have so many opportunities coming up during this holiday season, it's harvesting months. I love that. I'm going to tell that to my staff this week. These are harvesting months. And there's this so many harvesting months. You know what I call myself? Yeah. Ask me what I call myself. What do you call yourself? A people magnet. Oh, that's good. I'm a people magnet. I'm a soul chaser. That's good. That's good. That's I'm good. a kingdom harvester. Yeah. Are you with me? I'm a king. I'm Jesus says the harvest is white and ready to harvest. So I call myself a kingdom harvester. So I'm looking for opportunities. Even today, I just taught, uh, did a Bible study this morning called uh, a teaching called uh, Help. Uh, I'm lost. That was my topic. Help, I'm lost. <laughs> I was teaching on this morning uh, about it, and it was amazing what God started doing, and it is. I started sharing, and I gave about eight points about uh, things that you need to do. Number one was have a vision for souls. Have a vision for your family to be saved. Start seeing it, because vision drives you. Vision motivates you. Vision pushes you. In there to hit your target. Then I said, and then believe for have a passion for the unsaved, for the lost. We're dealing with such a mental illness crisis, suicide crisis, drug crisis, sex addiction. We got family problems, all kinds of things going on. People need the Lord. Now, I know I'm a little radical, 
But I truly do believe that Jesus is the answer to everybody's problem. And we as believers got to share the gospel. We got to help people. It's the answer to whatever they're dealing with. Vision, got to have a vision, got to have some passion. Number three is it's got to be a priority in your life. Being able to do, Jesus said and gave us a command to go into all the world and preach the gospel. In the book of John 15, it talks about that, and I'm to bear you to, to be my witnesses, to be a witness. Isaiah 43 and 10 talks about that I've chosen you as servants and to be my witnesses. I could go all through that area. So we call to be a witness for him. And then so it has to be a priority in my life, a priority that I want to please God. And that's number, the next one is pleasing God. Because when you have vision and passion, have this as a priority, then you're you know, for is this becomes a priority that now you're looking for opportunities. You're looking for people to be able to help. I almost can't hardly go down the street because there's so many issues that people have that I'm I'm looking for opportunities. I'm in a store. I'm in a store, get me some groceries, and the Spirit of God says, buy the groceries of for the person in front of me. I said, excuse me, uh, uh, cashier, uh, put their bill on mine. I'm paying for theirs. The lady started crying and screaming. And she started saying, uh, she just didn't, I didn't know how I was going to make it. I didn't even know if I was going to get this to pay for all of this. And then when I presented the gospel to her, she was ready as, as you can be to open her heart for Christ. So there's opportunities. I was at the gas station, bought some people some gas, and a lady, another situation, crying and wanted, it was traveling, and she was just going to get $5 of gas. I mean, no, you can't get no no gas for $5 no more. And But when I told her, I said, fill it up, and I'll pay for it. That woman said she was crying. Her husband was crying because they didn't know where they were going to get the next thing and how far they were going to get on that. So I'm saying a sensitivity, having a sensitivity to your environment, to those that are around you, because people got issues and they're looking for an answer or they're looking for some demonstration of faith or love or compassion that uh, makes a difference. That's great. Can you pray for everybody watching and listening? Because you've shared so many things in this podcast that everybody <laughs> and do not just listen, but the uh, doer of the word that they heard. Can you pray for everybody who's listening and watching? <laughs> yeah, I could do that. And, and this, and uh, uh, Father, I just stand in agreement for every person that has listened to this podcast that the hand of you is upon their lives, and Father, that you are going to use them in a bigger and more powerful way. I come against every work of the enemy that will try to hinder, block, or stop, or hold their hold them back from moving forward in you, from being the blessing that you call for them to be, to be the help that you call for them to be, to be the light that you call for them to be, to be salty everywhere they go. Thank you for your miracle working power being seen in their lives. And Father, I stand in agreement, and where there's agreement, there is power. And I release the power of God for their family members to get saved, for their uh, spouses or uh, children 
Father, we stand in agreement for them to, uh, to accept you as Lord and Savior. We break the power and the authority of the enemy that will try to hinder, block, or stop, or hold them from accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, thank you, Father, for angels now being released to go forth and send perfect labors across their path or using us in Jesus' name. Thank you for it now. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So good. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Oh, thank man, you. you got me crying a little bit now. See? Huh? Praise God. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was a great blessing. Everybody watching, go ahead and comment and thank Dr. Goodell for being with us and make sure that you follow him on social media, that you order his autobiography, that you, if you're in the Sacramento area, make sure you look up Calvary Christian Center. It will be a blessing to you. They've been living for God for decades now, and they're a great blessing and they will be a blessing to you. And before we hit the record button, Dr. Goodell told me that we can do a part two. So I'm looking forward to a part two of this because it'll be yeah. a lot more that we'll share next time. All right. And I'm looking forward to it. And, and I just uh, thank you for being used by God to make a difference. And I'm asking God to continually crown you with wisdom and knowledge and understanding and that your footsteps will be ordered by him, that all that you do will prosper to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, I receive that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, okay. everyone, thank you for watching. Make sure you subscribe and share this with others so they can be encouraged as well. Have a great day. Know that something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God Amen. bless you. Amen.